Podsham Pod. Welcome back to the Podsham Pod. We're about a dozen games into the 22-23 NBA season. We don't deliver consistent episodes because I am overwhelmed by my MFA program. But guess what? We're back. And we've got some good hard-hitting segments for you today. Max, how are you? I'm good. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like trying to understand the NBA season right now is a little bit like trying to drink out of the fire hose. There's just so much going on. There's a lot of teams. I'm doing well. I'm trying to ingest as much information and content as I can, but it's difficult. Yeah. Um, in in a state of so much uncertainty, I thought we should just start with a really lame, just dunk on your recent takes that you think have panned out pretty well. We're just going to call this I told you so uh, before we start the meat of this episode. And so I just wrote down a few things I want to say, fuck you, I was right about. Um, I told you so about Donovan Mitchell. On our second episode of this podcast several months ago, it's our most listened to episode. We're not allowed to say numbers. The sponsors don't allow us to. But on our second episode, I went on a long ass rant about how I would be shopping for Donovan Mitchell because of the negative rhetoric surrounding him after that really awful Mavs series. I just was looking at his playoff resume, big moments he had in the bubble. And and like just his pedigree, his the fact that he'd gotten better year after year, and he's right now his current contract has him locked down until the age of thirty, and he's well in his physical prime, and he just gets better every year, and his work ethic seems absolutely elite. Um, and here he is, averaging north of thirty points, leading a Cavs team without Darius Garland for the early part of this season, and looking like a surefire All NBA guy. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, I feel vindicated there. I'm not going to say anything crazy. Like he's in the MVP conversation yet, because I just don't think he's going to be there in 30 games when some of his usage usage goes to Garland, but Mitchell's really fucking good. He's just a guy who's going to be an all-star a lot of times in his career. I don't know what the ceiling of this Cavs team is until Evan Mobley has a chance to become the best player on the team, which I think you know, if you're a Cavs fan, you hope will happen within the, ne the next few years. Um, I'm not sure how much this changes the way I see Donovan Mitchell. I think it just validates the feelings I had about him. Um, and I thought he was catching way too much flack after last year's playoffs. Yeah, he's absolutely blowing the doors off teams right now early in the season. He's got a career high in virtually every offensive statistic to this point. You would imagine the efficiency will probably come down a little bit to his career averages because right now, uh, instead of 45% from the field, he's over 50 instead of, yeah. you know, 36% I mean, from threes at 45. So a lot of that stuff will probably come down, but the way he's playing his intensity, um, just the way that he's really seamlessly fit into Cleveland, where we see some of these other teams that made moves over the summer that are trying to reacclimate guys, it can take some time to to sort of feel out. Cleveland has absolutely just hit the ground running already with two big wins over Boston, as well as just yep. having a top record uh, in the Eastern conference. Yeah. Um, that's a good yeah. one. 32, four and six PR is 25 and a half. He's shooting 45% from three on high volume, 86% from the line. Um, yeah. Absurd numbers. And like we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, like Donovan Mitchell, despite his height is not a small guard. Like he has, legitimate like two size and so it's a and and the biggest the scariest thing about the Mavs series last year was 
how much of an Olay curtain he was on defense. And he hasn't been that guy so far. A lot of people have talked about how he's grinding on defense, like maybe he hasn't since his rookie year. So that's really encouraging too, maybe even more than the offensive explosion. Cause we knew he was an amazing offensive player. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, really exciting times for Cleveland and even scarier times for the Lakers as LeBron looks over at his hometown. Okay. Um, yep. All right. Give me, give me something you, you told me, you told me about that's working out for you. I mean, I was, no, I was far from the only person on this Island, but just the absolute Giannis revenge domination tour that we've yeah. been seeing. Um, raw Papa averages, <laughs> raw, Papa Giannis, raw averages of about 32 points a game, 12 rebounds, five assists, PER of 32, which is just ridiculous. If uh PER like 20 is good. 30 yeah. is kind of like historically unheard of. Um, and he's also doing it in like 32 minutes a game. People always try to hold the minutes argument against him for MVP, which I never really understand. They're like, oh, I remember back uh, two years ago, or maybe it was last year, they were like, oh, Giannis doesn't play that many minutes. It's, if he's putting up this kind of production in this few minutes, you know, that's you're winning because he doesn't yeah. have to play the whole time. Um, yeah, and if, the, he's, if, the, he's, if he's getting you that production, I I just want to know like the, what the numbers would look like if he had like a prime LeBron minutes season where he's going like 38 minutes a night. But yeah, but also if I were a Bucks fan, I'd be really happy that they're running the system the way they are with it and and keeping his legs as fresh as possible heading into a playoff run. OK, next. Yeah, um, we're, moving can, on, can... we're moving on from Giannis. All right. He's okay. the ball door. He's the best player in the world. Yes. Um, All right. Okay. Uh, I feel like we might have both had my next one. So let me do my next one. Fuck, you do it. You were harder on this. Minnesota, we were very skeptical. You were very skeptical. I was skeptical. I think I had them. I ended up putting them as my eighth seed uh, in my standings projections, which seemed weird after they were the seventh seed last year and added Rudy Gobert. But just with how much better the rest of the West got, it didn't make a ton of sense to me that people were saying this could be a 50 plus win team um, in the regular yeah. season. And the other thing when I was doing my top players list is I saw a lot of lists that had Anthony Edwards getting up towards like that 20th best player in the NBA. And I was like, okay, I know he had a great playoffs. He's really yeah. exciting, but let's just hold off a little bit because his decision-making can still really wax and wane. Um, and defensively he shows flashes, but he can also kind of fall asleep and, what we've seen thus far from Minnesota has been a lot of confusion. Sort of, it looks like they have these two different identities going on between Gobert and Towns. And they've had some bad losses. Their record doesn't look terrible because they've fattened up on some bad teams, but it does not look great thus far. Yeah. Um, I We're almost getting to the point where I'm going to like go snag some Anthony Edwards stock. NBA University, great Twitter follow posted. They all, they post like hilarious polls like this guy or this guy. Um, and they had like a group of players under a certain age. Um, and within this age group, Ben Matherin was getting more votes than Anthony Edwards after like, <laughs> like it was like right after the like the why aren't you dunking interview? Uh, but yeah, um, and isn't and I mean, it isn't Ant's game I'm worried about. It's between the ears what's happening with that team. Um, in that locker room, his body language is not great. I think, like, I don't want to, like, say, hey, I told you Rudy Gobert wasn't a good trade for them because I, I didn't see a ton of people lauding them for giving up every so much for Rudy Gobert. Um, 
but yeah, it, do, it doesn't doesn't look so good. I think the thing that I'm most proud of, speaking of the wolves, is like I I would I message every group chat that hasn't blocked me saying the the Blazers are gonna be a better team than the Wolves this year. And you can roll your eyes because they're my team and I know how it looks. Um, but they're deeper. I mean, the Wolves sacrificed so much depth, which, you know, usually, you know, is at least most, most important in the regular season. And without Damian Lillard, the Blazers are just a really exciting team. All right. They're not a contender. They're not even close to a contender. My dad's texting me 1977 every time they win a game. It scares the shit <laughs> out of me. I'm worried about his well-being. But, um, you know, they're better than the Jazz. They're better than the number one seed in the West right now. Um, yeah. They're definitely more legit than the Jazz. And like, I, I think that it's just, it would be really, really awesome if if the Blazers could steal a six seed or above and and not have to uh, beat a really good team to be in the playoffs. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I, I was right about the depth. Anthony's taking another step. He's just solidified himself as an absolutely elite shooter. Um, and yeah, Shaden Sharp, what is there to say? Uh, yeah. God, God allows few children on this earth to move the way that Shaden Sharp just naturally moves around a basketball court. He looks like he was engineered in a lab um, to, to, to like play the wing position in the NBA. And he still might be J.R. Smith. And yet there are very few guys who would be drafted above him if we did a redraft tonight. And so it's an exciting time to be a Blazers fan. I told you so. Fuck you, Blazers haters, a.k.a. every reputable basketball media source I follow. Um, yeah. Uh, and then oh, what's what else did I have? Oh, I, I said Siakam. I had him in my top 20. You told me it was a little bit high. Um, yeah. I just another guy like Mitchell who just gets better every year. And so, like, I just feel good betting on him to take a step every season that he isn't like, you know, on the wrong side of 30. Um, get that one out of the way. I mean, Siakam's been awesome. And then yeah. uh, my last one that I wrote down was the Kings suck. It was really pissing me off. I mean, the Kings could still make the play. It's it's there's a like it's so messy that part of the of the standings in the West. I'm not writing them off for you know the ten seed, but it just pissed me off how much credit the Kings were getting for the roster they put together heading into this year. Um, like they're they're still the Kings. I I don't yeah. see anything very different from last year. Love Kevin Herter, but he's not moving the needle um, in any crazy fashion. So yeah, yeah. No, I still don't really understand the Kings. I don't have a great handle on, on exactly how good they are. Um, definitely to this point, we'll give a hat, a cap tip on the Blazers. I had them finishing 10th in the West, which in retrospect is not looking good. I definitely underrated their wing rotation, which I think is probably yeah. the best it's been in the sort of, I guess, since they had like Wes Matthews and Nick Batum, this is probably the best set of wings between Hart, Grant, Little, uh, Sharp, that they've had um, and Gary Payton hasn't even played yet. And he was a pretty prized off season pickup for them. And Dame's missed some games and Nurk has missed yeah. some games. They just kind of keep grinding. Poor man, Siakam of the West, Jeremy Grant, another guy who just like adds something to his bag every year, it seems. Uh, and like his shot creation has really surprised me. It's not like I watched a ton of him in Detroit um, and it was harder to credit him for what he can do on a team that was losing so many games and a role that he's underqualified for. Um, but he's really fun, easy to root for. Um, I'm surprised by the spice he has off the dribble. And yeah, uh, Blazers fans are are really in love with our front office right now because it feels like we went from a team with no 
punch, no real athleticism, electricity in the at the wing position. And like a year later, we feel like an athletic team. We just have a lot of live young bodies uh, yeah. that can tire down um, veteran teams on the nights that, you know, Dame needs to rest because he clearly isn't a guy who's going to be playing 70 games every year of his career anymore. Right. Uh, so that was Homer Corner. Um, coming up now, <laughs> well, one of my, one of my other, I told you's, which I'm not positive. I want to like say, I told you yet, but I was pretty skeptical on Dallas coming into the season. I thought yeah. they would really regret losing Brunson. Um, and Brunson has definitely made the Knicks better to the point that the Knicks are now just in a perfectly average team with really no real pathway of getting dramatically better or worse, but they will win no fewer than 37 games and no more than 43. Um, and a lot Dallas, of and a lot of good memes. A lot of good memes. In a the lot process. of good memes. Dallas, on the other hand, it's just, I mean, we haven't seen this sort of one guy carrying a team since the days of James Harden in Houston and Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City to this level that Luca is being asked to carry Dallas right now. How about Luca and, in the playoffs last year? Uh I mean, he still at least had Brunson, who, you know, was able to win two games in the first round without him. Agreed. Agreed. But when when we reached, you know, rounds two, three, I mean, conference finals, especially Brunson faded. We both talked about how Dorian Finney-Smith was their second best player against the Suns. Uh, I love Brunson, but that's a, more of a testament to DFS. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I I agree with that Russillo doctrine of like, you got, it's hard, it's hard to expect a title run from one of these heliocentric teams. And at the same time, like Luca was their world last year and they came damn close to the finals. Yeah, I just I worry about them more in the regular season, honestly, like in the playoffs, there's still going to be a team that no one wants to play because yeah. Luca with four shooters is just a team that can drop 130 on you kind of any given night. And if they happen to get hot four games in a series, you're screwed. Phoenix saw that last year, even though they were the superior team. Um but that's just something I'm keeping an eye on. And another one I was ready to say I told you about before uh, they've dropped a couple games lately is the Pelicans being a playoff contender. But <laughs> now I'm yeah. <clears throat> they're certainly going to be in the playoffs, I think. They've distinguished themselves, I think, as one of the best eight teams in the West. But I still there's eighth, some they're eighth right now. <laughs> there's some <laughs> there's some consistency issues. There's some defense issues. They've had some injuries yeah. as well, but they lost to Portland last night without Dame or Nurkic in a game where uh Zion was really hunted defensively at the end of the game, which I'm sure yeah. would made you doubly happy. Um yeah, but that's Zion, just what I'm Zion's, wondering. Zion's not the best player on his team, but that's besides the point. No. I for the record, um I'm, I don't think that the Blazers are are that far away from the Pelicans. I think that they're probably pretty no. similar, similar range this year. Um, yeah. I actually, yeah. And I might be more scared of just like the matchup issues that the Pelicans create. Um, so, so I'm not here to rain on your Pelicans parade. Um, but I, I still think they're a couple of years away from, uh, from serious contention. I think you'd probably agree. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm less worried about the Mavs than you are. Uh, you know, they're six and five. I think they have, they have like a top three or four point differential in the West. Although uh, they didn't, they beat the Grizzlies by like 40. So it yeah, is a little yeah. bit skewed by yeah. that game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Point, point di differential means nothing, but I'll use it to make a, to make a point. I feel passionate mm -hmm. about, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, the Brunson loss is huge. You need guys who can release some pressure from that, you know, the Luca list valve when he's not on the floor or when Luca needs to rest, like they don't have a lot of guys to give the ball and say, like, go get us a bucket, create something for someone else. Um, you know, Christian Wood, I don't, I'm, I'm still not convinced that he's, you know, in their closing five in a meaningful playoff game. Um, and Tim Hardaway is just not nearly as good as, as Jalen Bronson. So he's back, yeah. but, but that, that void isn't filled. So maybe they're, maybe they're a deal away at the, at, at the deadline from, from taking a step into a, like, you know, that group of more serious contenders. But right now, um, I'm not going to worry about the Mavs just yet. Cause they have a top two guy in the world. Yeah. I've got one more that's sort of a combination of a few draft ones. Um, just a couple of my draft predictions, which I think look good so far. One is Paolo being in a league of his own as a prospect at the top, although Matherin is making a strong push for needing to be in that tier as well. But I think just physically coming in, Paolo was just so, and how polished his game was. Paolo was so far ahead of everyone else in this draft class. Um, and then dovetailing off of that, I really was not very high on Jabari Smith. And I kind of wish in retrospect that I had faded him a little bit more. Um, but I sort of wonder now already, like, you know, Paolo looks better. Chet hasn't played yet, so you can't say. Matherin's certainly been better to this point. Uh, Ivy, I think, has looked more impressive to this point. And Jabari is in probably not the best situation for his skill set in Houston, but definitely some concerns there, I think. All right. Well, that that le- you just you just dipped into our next segment. Yeah. Which which we're going to get right into now. We're calling this how many Max just came up with a list of questions. I answered most of them. A couple of them. I just wanted him to fuck off. Um, <laughs> and so and so we're going to we're going to get into those right now. We're we're, we're like tw- an average of 12 games into the season, depending on who you root for. Um, Max, ask your first how many. Dovetailing off that, were, were there to be a redraft today, how many players would be drafted ahead of Jabari Smith? Yeah, yeah. Let's start there. Um, and I have some spice here. I just wrote, I'm only ready to say one, Paolo. I, we are, you know, barely double-digit games into Jabari Smith's career. He's under 30% from three. He's averaging like 10, six and very few assists. And um, he's definitely had some defensive flashes. I only really watched the first couple of games for the Rockets, so I'm not going to talk out of my ass here, but like, I was really impressed by like early rookie defensive flashes. Uh, I think that like his frame just looks like it's going to be able to support so much weight and he can already do some rim protection for them. Their team sucks. I saw people tweeting like, do you think Jabari Smith misses the Auburn guards, which like the whole joke during his college career was that he didn't have guards that could feed him the way he deserved to be fed. Um, the Rockets are the worst team in the league, and I'm just not ready to start panicking about Jabari Smith. But, you know, would I would I be stressed out if I were a Rockets fan? Of course. But I had him at number one. I've, you know, I've listed the reasons why. And just give the kid some time. Let's get some sample size before we decide that he's an offensively limited prospect. That's fair. Um, um and, and then yeah and then Paolo's like Paolo's like been an all-star through 12 games so I don't need to explain why he's there yeah remind me did you have Paolo or Jabari one in the draft I, I had Jabari okay um, um yeah the, but who are the candidates to put above Jabari I guess like you said Paolo obviously Matherin uh, Matherin obviously um Shaden Shaden just for like the physical ceiling like I, yep. I that's not a homer take um 
I mean, Jeremy Sohan, I don't think so, but Spurs fans are no. excited about, about the defensive potential. I mean, well, you could say Chet, but he hasn't played yet. Chet, so I think I think a lot of people would say Chet right now. Um, yeah. You could say Ivy. Preseason, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't come close to saying Ivy. I understand Chet just because he was so electric in preseason. Um, but you know, the injury is another thing. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how much we're worrying about Chet physically yet. I mean, I am, but you sheep. I don't know about you guys yet. Um yeah. okay. But yeah, so uh, I, Jabari, I, said, for I the record. one guy. Who are, how many guys would you take tonight before Jabari Smith if you could redraft? I'd take Paolo, Chet, Matherin, um for sure. And then I think I would think very hard about Ivy and Sharp. Mm -hmm. Would you would you take Sharp or Ivy right now? Probably Ivy. I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Ivy. His physical tools are just kind of top tier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's as physically elite as Shaden, but Shaden's bigger. And I just like Shaden's shooting. So I'd probably take him. But I'm not taking Shaden above Jabari. So I'm not that much of a homer. Um, yeah. We don't have to spend the whole episode talking about Jabari Smith. Although for the record, he does have the lowest true shooting percentage in the league for anyone yeah. with like. Yeah. And, and, his, and his PR is like under seven. It's, yes. it's, like, <laughs> it's like makes RJ Barrett look like Giannis. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Give me another how many from the ones that I yeah. sent you. Okay. So now I'm just going to go in order of the list that you sent me. How many teams can make the conference finals? Start with a number and then explain. I say eight. This is in both Damn. conferences. All right. So in the West, I have five. Interesting. Um, Phoenix, I think you have to put them in there. Uh, Denver, for sure. I'm still going to give the Clippers and the Warriors the benefit of the doubt. And Memphis. I think it's those five. Okay. Um, yeah, I had I have eight total as well, but I had six in the West. <laughs> Who was your sixth? I put the Mavs. Out of out okay. of out of respect for Luca's greatness, I yeah. just again they're six and five. I just I'm not I'm not writing off Luca. His his usage will only go up in the playoffs, and his efficiency has never wavered. Um, and 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 there's just a world where we enter next season saying Luca's the best player on earth. I I think it's going to be Giannis. Right now it's Giannis, but Luca's the only guy right now really putting pressure on Giannis. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I can't write off the maps. I had them as the sixth team in the East. I had only two teams, the Bucks okay. and the Celtics, who I think are the two best teams in the league. Um, yes. the two teams that I'd least want to play in the playoffs, regardless of matchup. Um, but that's boring because everyone knows they're far and away the best teams in the yeah. East. Um, so if you force me into the next tier, you know, maybe Tatum gets hurt, maybe Giannis, has his first significant injury and we have to dip into the next tier. I would probably, in this order, I would go Raptors, Cavs, Hawks. And then I threw in the heat, they're five and seven, but like they mm -hmm. just, every year the heat tell us to respect them more. Um, and they haven't been healthy. So yeah. Yeah. My third in the East was Cleveland. I think that, um, I think the West is much more jumbled. I think in the East, we're going to see the real teams separate from the pack. Uh, a little bit quicker because in the west i think everyone outside of well we'll get to this question in a second but in the west i think everyone outside of denver and phoenix has a chance to be in the play-in yeah. um okay we're gonna get there we're gonna get there yeah but in the east i think it's i think milwaukee and boston are the two best teams in the league i agree uh but i think cleveland just 
with sort of the two explosive scoring options in the backcourt that they have. And then the two just like pterodactyl level bigs that they have to clean up things on the back end and their ability to shoot the ball. Kevin Love's been playing really well. I think he should be the front runner for six man of the year. Personally. Um, I was looking at the odds the other day and he's like not even close to the top of the list for six man of the year odds, which kind of shocked me. Um, Cause guys like pool and some of the other betting favorites just haven't gotten off to great starts, but yeah. yeah, so those were the eight I settled on. I, as we said before, I'm a little bit more tepid on Dallas with how the rest of the West is this year. And I think they have a good chance of being in the play-in. Going from the play-in to the conference finals is pretty tough. Yeah. Um, someone's going to get hurt. So, you know, and, or, you know, someone gets hurt temporarily and the Bucks and Celtics have to play again in the second round. Uh, right. I see the argument for the Cavs. I just want to see a, a couple dozen more games before I'm before I'm putting them in that group. Um, I think if everyone stayed healthy, I'd be more surprised by the Cavs making it in the East than I would be Luca dragging the Mavs somehow in the West. Um, yeah, just a best player argument, you know, playoffs, rotations get smaller, etc. But you know, we're pretty close mm-hmm. there. All right, the next question you asked me was how many. First time All-Stars hit me. So I said three or four, and I think the West is more likely to have them. So in the West, I think you can almost write in pen Desmond Bain and Shea Gilgis-Alexander at this point. Um, Desmond Bain, for those who don't know, on Memphis is averaging close to 30 points a game. Uh, Wait, no, he's not. Sorry, 25 points a game. Close to 30 points a game over his last, like, 10. But... He's at essentially 25, five and five. He's shooting 46% from three, 90% from the field. He's raised his shooting volume and shooting efficiency this year. He's doing more off the dribble. He's went from three assists to five assists. Like every part of his game has just gotten better. And he's going to be on a very good team in Memphis, which always, you know, helps push you into the all-star game. They're going to be a team near the top of the standings where coaches are like, we got to have two all-stars from this team. So, and he deserves it. Otherwise. He also just has this transition confidence that like, you know, guys like I that come to mind, like Josh Hart and Tyrese Maxey, like these guys who just get the ball maybe on a long rebound and just go and the ball's on a string. They might not have the best handles in the league, but they just have a very special knack for getting to the rim and not losing it, not, you know, not getting their shot blocked, getting a shot or a foul in transition. Desmond Bain has that one man fast break quality to his game, 2K badge, so to speak. Um, so I'm with you. I wrote that I wrote that there are only two first time all-stars and it's those two guys in the West. Um, yeah. everyone else, I need more time. You know, guys, guys like Keldon, like, you know, like it just it really depends on how many games some of these mediocre teams win. Um, so I'm locking in SGA and Bain because they are just fucking amazing. But after that, I think Jeremy Sohan's the only name I'm confident about. <laughs> yeah, I said three just because there were a lot of guys I had question marks next to, and I was like, yeah. it feels like one of these guys will sneak in. Yeah, for SGA, he's averaging yeah. almost 32 points a game, four and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, uh, 54% from the field, 95% from the free throw line. His PER Told is close to 30. Told yourself. <laughs> He I had him looks above awesome. James Harden. I had him above Harden. I also did not know his full name was Shavante. That's kind of cool. Um, no way. But 
Yeah. <laughs> Unless the basketball <laughs> reference is talking on its ass, but he's been insane. That OKC team is, as Zach Lowe would say, frisky. Um, yeah. On any given night, they will push a team where there's just kind of no nights off honestly for almost every team in the league unless you're playing the lakers um and and poku hasn't even gotten going and i i don't even say that as a joke yeah i I drafted poku in all my fantasy leagues and expected him to have better counting stats to this point because in garbage games at the end of last season he was actually tearing shit up and getting an occasional triple double so you know um yeah chat's out we're still waiting for the jalen williams explosion it's coming it's coming Um, Frisky, frisky OKC team. Okay. Yeah. Forgot to mention him above Jabari too. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but some um, other, some yeah. other names that I had question marks next to, um, everyone's talking about Lowry Markinen and the Utah Jazz. I just can't believe that that's going to hold up. But if it does, he has a chance. Stop he certainly it. Stop has it. an argument to make it. Don't even um, start. Do you think Anthony Simons has a chance to make it? If the Blazers yeah. are like top three in the West? Um, He has a chance. But I would take the under. Okay. I just um, and, and when in doubt, you know, especially with the fan vote, like legacy really tends to win out, and so that's why, like, I just I can't pencil in guys with great stats like Anthony, uh, because I think you have to be like overwhelmingly great to break in to the to the like the canon of NBA stars that that rake in votes, and that's what yeah. SGA, you know, Halliburton has all star stats. But I don't think his team's going to win enough, and I don't think that guys are voting for Halliburton over some of the established names and faces that they want to see at All Star Weekend. So yeah, um, yeah, it has nothing to do with how good guys like Halliburton are. Uh, but yeah, Paolo's another one I thought of in the East. Like totally, it's very rare for rookies to make the All Star team, but for someone who has really stepped on the scene and just stepped into twenty four and eight yeah. as quickly as he has, yeah. Um, I could see him getting a little bit of a push to make it. I just think Orlando is probably going to suck. But being a top tier league pass guy, you know, doesn't make you an all-star. I just, I I didn't write in Paolo because he has the, another guy who has the all-star numbers, but his team sucks. Not, yeah. not, in the, not in the league pass way, but I, also. I think, I think their win total will be a zero all-star win total. Yeah. Same with the Pistons and Cade, I think. Yeah, exactly. But P- Cade's stats aren't even close to Palos right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jalen Brunson, probably not, but maybe Fuck if the off. Knicks are like... <laughs> next, <laughs> <Okay>. next. Next. <laughs> All right. Which one do you want to do next? Um, you asked me how many teams are worse than the Lakers. I wrote, fuck you for asking. Uh, this is every episode I mark explicit, but this one's actually explicit. Um, how many teams did you say are better than the Lakers? I didn't want to think about it because it means the end of my, the early part of my life. If LeBron has like no more fun seasons left. Yes. The Lakers suck. There are only a few teams in the league that are worse than them. How many are there specifically? I think there are four teams in the league that are for sure worse than the Lakers. There are some that may fall under them. And if they, you know, trade Russell Westbrook for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, or, you know, Mike Conley and Malik Beasley and Jordan Clarkson, they'll get better. I think, I mean, Houston's the worst team in the league. Charlotte's worse than them. San Antonio's worse than worse than them. Detroit, I think Orlando may settle into being worse than them. So I'd say four or five. But yeah. if they do nothing and they just stay as they are right now, they will end up with a top five lottery spot. Agreed. Okay. How many teams could be in the play-in? My answer is 20. <laughs> yeah, I have um, 19. <laughs> yeah. In the East, I said... 
on the good side, everyone except Bucks, Celtics, Cavs. Because yep. the Cavs have already shown without half of their star backcourt, they're still really good. And then on the da- on the at the at the bottom, I said the Hornets, the Magic, and the Pistons are not going to yep. make the plan. In the West, I said everyone except Suns, Nuggets. Okay, I wrote Cavs again. So who did I mean? I meant I meant Grizzlies. Uh, sorry, Suns, Nuggets, and Grizzlies. And then on the downside, uh, Rockets and Thunder. So twenty teams total could legit could logically make the plan in my mind. Uh, in the East. I think Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee are clear of it. And I think uh, Houston, sorry, Portland, sorry. (laughs) I think Orlando, Detroit, and Charlotte Charlotte. won't sniff it. The other nine all in play. And in the West, Phoenix and Denver and Memphis, I think are going to be above it. And then Houston, OKC, San Antonio. Okay, so, you went San Antonio. Yeah. I just I wasn't counting San Antonio out because because they're trying to win games. How many players in MVP conversation? Yes. I think 5. I think there's a very clear top 5. Yes. Giannis, Booker in no particular order. Giannis, Booker, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell and What? Jokic. That was my five. This isn't a 12 games in MVP. This is who is going to be in the MVP conversation at the conclusion of the 82nd game. Oh, well, this is how many players are in the MVP conversation right now. Sorry, I forgot Doncic. It was not Jokic. Oh, it was oh Doncic. we're talking now then. Um, Yeah, Donovan Mitchell has to be in it. But I, okay, I, I misinterpreted. I thought you were asking like, like how many guys are, you know, make, name a group that you're certain the, the MVP will come from. I can and answer I, that as well. And I and I put down also five guys: Giannis, Luca, Tatum, Jaw, Booker. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I should have included. I couldn't include Jokic just because the back to back. But uh, yeah. But like Jokic is always in a, at an MVP level. His point totals are down now. I think maybe because he has more guys <laughs> to pass to. Um, but yeah, the the Joker is the Joker. Yeah, he's leading the league in true shooting percentage for. Uh... Yeah. Or not quite, but actually Steph is above him. Yeah. Steph has actually been incredible. It's just the rest <laughs> yeah. of the team has sucked. That's, that's been ridiculous, which is actually encouraging because, you know, he's he's supposed to be not doing what he's still doing in his, in his career. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, Jokic is shooting 25% from three. So, like, he's going to get back up toward 25 points a game. He's, like, toward, yeah. not like 21 or 22 right now. Um, I would okay. guess yeah. that... Pretty quickly, it'll turn into a three-man race, though, between Giannis, Luka, and Tatum, I think, is how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Um, I think Jaw is here to stay. I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine a world where Devin Booker is the MVP. He's just like, yeah. he's he's forever an ancillary, like, great star in my mind. Uh, but he's been awesome. Okay. Um, the next question you asked me was uh it was the jabari smith one we did that how many more warriors games if they keep playing at this level how many more games until you're worried that they are not a contender i think if we get to the 20 game mark in the season so like not that far away like maybe 10 more games of because they've probably what played like 12 to this point they're like oh no they're four and seven i think so yeah if we get to like the 20 22 
game mark and they're still what would that be like eight and 14 or something like that and they're not showing any signs of non all five starters lineups being good then you guys think you should really start to be worried because even if you know when you get into the playoffs you can rely heavily on the guys you know are good if they have to claw their way from the play-in to trying to get to the conference finals or the finals just history has shown that's not uh, that's not an easy or effective way to try to win the title. Pretty much you have yeah. to be a top three or four seed to make the finals. It's a nuanced question, Max, because is it this iteration of the Warriors? Because if we if they play several more games and they're at like this win percentage, you know, they have plenty of deals that they can make. And it doesn't seem like they're the kind of front office that will lose a, an important trade. At least they haven't recently. Um, so whether it's Draymond or the young guys, if they need to mix things up to get back in the title race, they will do that. They might not say that post game yet, but they will. Um, and um, yeah, I, I put 20 games because I just have that much faith in their infrastructure. Like I need, mm. I need to see them like midway through the season basically midway through the year before I'm going to say like, this just isn't working. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. If, if there had been no Draymond punch, I think we'd probably say like, give us 35 more games. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Cause when you, you think of like the Warriors dynasty from the 2010s and then they have these down years where they reload with young players and then they like come back in a big way last year. But really, it doesn't look like I mean, none of those young players are actually contributing yeah. to their success. Like Moody, at least might be a useful player. But at this point, Wiseman is maybe the most damaging rotation player in the NBA. Um, and I mean, I've never been a huge fan of his game. I just think the process is not a speed, wise man on the defensive end. <laughs> the processing speed on the court just isn't there in terms of mentally seeing where the next pass is, seeing the open space to cut to, everything just kind of feels a step yeah. late. And I don't think that's really something you learn. I think you kind of, I mean, you call it feel for the game. I think that's really something you either have or you don't. You can kind of improve it if it's there a little bit, but I just don't have that much faith with that. And Kaminga has also not been as good this year, partially being played out of position because he's playing next to Wiseman at times. Yeah. But I need, yeah. I, I just want Kuminga to keep disappointing and like somehow end up a blazer. We just get like this six, nine, like, you know, an incredibly talented piece of Play-Doh to try to turn into what he looked like he could be in his rookie season. I will um, say if all the, if all the young players just aren't useful, it does make the decision a lot easier to bring Draymond back and yeah. just like forego the young guys. Cause if they aren't going to help you contend into the future. There's no reason to invest a ton of money in them. Yeah. I've thought a lot about just like how much offensive intelligence uh, Jordan Poole has gleaned from Steph. Like there's no way Jordan Poole has this sexy and offensive repertoire if he doesn't like grow up as a pro next to Steph. Um, he just has a, a level of creativity that like Jordan Poole has. Uh, he And he's actually disappointed based on, I think, what people expected him to do this year. Like he's had a slow start, but he still just has such a deep bag. And um, and that's and, and, and I think that's what and same thing has happened to Anthony Simons playing alongside Dame. Like you just learn things from these from these genius guards. Um, 
it worries me that Wiseman defensively, like especially with a year to watch Draymond, hasn't had some of that same um, learning curve. Um, you know, because Draymond is sort of the Dame or staff of defense, and still Wiseman looks like he's like you know, if 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 Marcus Saul is a ten in processing speed, like Wiseman is, <laughs> he's close to zero. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully they don't, you know, spend the rest of their lives wondering what if, what if Lamelo was on our team. Um, yeah, okay. Um, the next question was, how many Pels are the third best player on the Lakers? I wrote, "Fuck you again." I knew this would be a "fuck you" question. <laughs> yeah, we get it. The Lakers suck. What was your answer? My answer was seven. Okay. Uh, I can run wow. it. Wow. We've talked a lot about the Pelicans and Lakers so far, yeah. but I can run through it real quick. Yeah, yeah just give is, me the list. Just this is list. not counting Victor Wembanyama, by the way. Um, but <laughs> we might be on the Pelicans next season. Yeah. But uh, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion, obviously is three. Jonas, definitely. Uh, I think Larry Nance would be the third best player on the Lakers. I think Herb Jones would be the third best player. And I think Trey Murphy would be the third oh, best no player. Oh, no doubt. Trey Murphy's been awesome so far. Would you rather would you rather have Alvarado or Beverly for this season? I really thought about Alvarado as well. Yeah. He might be. I don't know who the third best player on the Lakers is. It's it's probably like it's Lonnie. It's been it's been Lonnie, I think. Yeah. Lonnie's had some good games. And Russ off the bench has certainly been their third best player. He just makes no sense with the way that they're trying to play. I thought a more interesting question was like, how many guys would be the best or second best player on the Lakers? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. How many more Cade Cunningham games before you're worried about his shooting efficiency? You asked me this question. I randomly threw down 30 games. I don't know. I usually basketball efficiency, like guys are pretty consistent. It isn't like baseball where you draft prime Ryan Braun and he hits 230 and you're like, what the fuck? Um, usually good shooters are good shooters throughout their prime, you know, and they, they you you have in-season slumps, but the but the, the the overall numbers stay the same. So yeah, I'm worried about the fact that he's under 30% from three. Um but he's an amazing passer. He's a solid defender. He's a good rebounder. And, um, you know, he's like around 26 and six right now. I'm at least comforted by the fact that Cade's had a disappointing start to the year and he's a 26 and six guy. But give me like yeah. another half of the season before before I worry that he isn't a really solid shooter. Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually more generous with it. I thought I would give it basically till the end of the year yeah like yeah or like start of next year if he's still looking inefficient but that might also be because you think he's going to be like an MVP yeah. candidate type exactly. of player and I think he'll be like you know yeah an all-star a few times I, ha- I um, had him I mean it's also like the NBA has more top 25 players than ever before yes and I picked Kate to be a top 25 guy so obviously so far that looks terrible um but you know small small sample size his shot is so clean. Like, I think he's a great shooter because I have such absurd expectations for him. Yeah. That's why I think I was a little bit more worried. Like, you know, if he's who I think he is, he's going to figure this thing out pretty quickly. Um, but that's interesting. Um, yeah. How many Suns wins for you to consider them the favorite in the West? This was probably the favorite question that I came up with because yeah, I like it. just like early in the year, the Suns look awesome again. Um, 
and everyone, including me, thought they would probably slide back to the pack a little bit, but it looks like they'll probably be the one or two seed in the West again. I said they would have to win 70 games for me to consider them the favorite in the West. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that that was my thought experiment. Okay, they go 70 and 12. Am I yeah. picking them over like, you know, a 55 win Grizzlies team? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and the answer is no. <laughs> I, I, I actually wrote the limit does not exist. Um, because DeAndre Ayton did not talk to Monty Williams between game seven and the start of training camp. That is crazy. The whole world knows it. You know, the, the talk shows have talked about it, but it, but like, it's just still too weird. And it's obviously impressive that they just continue to be such like, you know, such an awesome regular season team. How the hell could I pick them under any circumstance? I mean, they were they were an insanely good regular season team last year. So if they win a few more games this year that takes them to like a historically good regular season level, I'm I'm going to pick them. The answer is no. Um, the Suns, I was on the wrong side for two straight years. I picked them to beat the Bucks two years ago, and I picked them to beat. I think I picked a repeat finals last year. I picked them to beat the Bucks two years in a row. <laughs> and they let me down two years in a row. And I will not pick it again this year. <laughs> I will most certainly not <laughs> pick them a third year in a row. Um, so yeah, limit does not exist for me, but I think 70s uh, 70s the good over under. Yeah. Uh, how many players from our preseason top 11 have John ja Morant and Jason Tatum passed? For a refresher, I had Jaw sitting at 11 and Tatum sitting at 9. Um, let's do Tatum first. I think I would have him already as a comfortable 6, maybe 5. Hmm. The real debate is between him and Durant still for me. I This, is, this wasn't a fuck you, but this was like an I don't want to do it yet. I just, yeah. I just don't want to do it yet. I said, I said a bunch. I wrote down probably a bunch. Um, <laughs> uh, like, obviously, like, Tatum's been better than LeBron. He's been better than Durant. I guess, yeah, you said. Um, Kawhi. Kawhi still hasn't returned from injury as far as I'm concerned. Because um, we saw him for, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And I, the I, case. I, yeah, go. Sorry. The case with LeBron, Kawhi, and Durant was always, like, a ceiling case where... Yeah. You know, in the regular season, they're probably not close to the top. Well, they're yeah. close, but they're they not. Don't, they like, don't have the young legs. Yeah, exactly. It's just like if you get into a playoff series and you have one of those guys on your team, you feel really good about having the best player in the series. Yeah. The one which I think Tatum may be passing, which personally I don't love because I don't like Boston and I really like Joel Embiid, is Joel Embiid. Um, I just have... I'm surprised you didn't bring this up and told you so that Philly would just be like nowhere near as good as everyone thought they were going to be. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that I, I I thought that would be a little unfair because Philly was so polarizing. I feel like you were either like Kevin Pelton picking them to win the finals or you were like, you know, a Nets fan or a Rockets fan. And you were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like they have no chance. Yeah, I just I've been really discouraged with how Embiid has started this season yeah um and I don't know rough. if it's from an off-season injury but he just does not look like he's still getting numbers like I don't have his raw numbers in front of me but I'm sure it's like 25 and 12 but it's not good just he seems like he's turning it over more he's 
moving a lot slower, both like end to end and then just labored. like he's settling for threes. He looks labored. Yeah. And yeah, so I would already com be comfortable with putting Tatum over him. Kawhi, we just haven't really seen much of him. Uh, LeBron's been kind of in and out and hurt. I'm, you know, yeah. for the regular I, season, yeah. I'd rather have Tatum, but I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Embiid. I think we all were, we all assumed that his prime would end earlier than a lot of guys because of the early, the injury history, because of the size. Um, I think that I'm more worried about that. He's just like a mentally checked out after seeing like the way things look and feel with the, with the makeup of this roster, like bringing in culture King PJ Tucker the moves they made in the offseason that a lot of people like just haven't been enough to shift the tone. Uh, so, yeah, I think and I also feel like I unfairly penalized Tatum for some of this inefficient shooting late in last year's playoffs in the finals against the Bucks. Obviously, he had that legendary game six against the Bucks, but um, I don't know. It's not like he had a 2011 LeBron performance. Uh, so I think that I held that against him a little bit just that like Steph was so much better than him in the finals. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely knocking on the top five door and I just want to see several more games before I parse that one out in my head. Yeah. And he's averaging 31 points a game on career best efficiency. Yeah. Um, his turnovers have come down just a tiny bit, but yeah, he looks really good. <laughs> and John looks incredible. Yeah. Jaw, ja, ja, I'm just a little bit more worried about because um, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender. And I just worry about his body holding up in the playoffs. So, like, there are guys at his level or maybe a tiny bit below his level that I might put above him in, like, my top 10 players rankings, which I, at the end of the day, are just like, who do I want leading my group, um, you know, in a playoff game seven? I just, yeah, the way Ja plays, I mean, he was phenomenal against the Warriors and then he got hurt because he hits the deck really hard a lot of times. Um, so yeah, but but still another guy who's playing at a top five caliber. So we'll see. Let's give them more also, time. Also shooting 45% from three is Ja yeah. on uh, almost yeah. five attempts a game. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on because if that becomes a consistent weapon for him, there's absolutely no way to defend him. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I'd be may, comfortable. And maybe the best, up and maybe the best passer in the league too. He's up there. I mean, well, I mean, Jokic is the best passer in the league, I'd say. But Jaws, okay. he's in that, you know, that first group, I'd say. Do you want to get into a pound for pound argument? Because I don't know, uh, Jaws in that conversation. Um, okay, the last question you asked me, which I refuse to answer: <laughs> How many teams do I understand? <laughs> Don't don't I feel like SpongeBob when he's like the waiter episode, they ask him what his name is and he explodes because he's brainwashed himself to become the world's best waiter. Don't do this to me. My brain will split in half. I don't know how many teams I understand yet. All right. Well, I'll tell you how many teams I think I understand. I think there's the good ones, <laughs> which uh, I think I mean, Milwaukee, I think is pretty easy to understand. Giannis is great. Yeah. Uh, if they just have two reliable bench players in the playoffs, they're going to be great. Uh, Boston, very easy to understand. They're the same team as last year. They just added Malcolm Brogdon. It doesn't seem like the coaching thing has affected them at all with having their coach resign right before the season. Or sorry, get suspended right before the season. Um, 
Phoenix, I think I understand. Uh, they're going to win a lot of regular season games and no one's going to be that scared to see them in the playoffs. Memphis, I think I understand as well. They're going to try really hard, win a lot of regular season games. Um, and, you know, second round is probably the most likely outcome for them. The only team that I'm sure I understand right now is Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it in Brooklyn and I've seen enough. Yeah. And then there's the bad ones like Houston, Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte, San Antonio. I'm pretty sure I know who those teams are. And the Lakers. I think I understand who the Lakers are unless they trade for someone. Um, yeah. But all that goes to say, I think I understand nine teams. There's 21, which I'm still kind of trying to wrap my arms around. Um, and that's really the thing that stood out to me the most from these first few weeks of the season is just you think like a team's looking good. It wins a couple games in a row and then it loses to like Indiana or um, San Antonio. Three point variance. It's Portland. It's three point variance. It's the depth of talent being so great that these lower sort of perceived lower level teams who play with a ton of energy, if you don't come out and match them, they're going to beat you. Um, they're just aren't a ton of like, you know, going through the schedule, just like, yeah, we'll win that one. We'll win that one. That's just kind of not the case with how balanced a lot of the talent is around the league. And I do think that's going to, and has already led to a much more intense level of play earlier in the season than we've seen in years past, because I think once we get to like the 25 game mark, there's going to be a lot of teams that sort of look around and say, damn, we're like, firmly in the play in right now. And those top three teams in our conference are getting further and further away. Like we really have to kind of put the foot down a little bit to try to get out of this play and mix and get like a real playoff spot. So yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to, to see how some of those races shake out. I am too. Does Ben Simmons need to go to MSG? Does Kyrie hate Jews? We're going to talk about all that and more soon.